1: Welcome to episode 369 of The Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay, a licensed marriage and family therapist. And I am here today. I have a co-host in studio. My co-host is Alexa Lovell. Alex, how are you I was going to
2: say drum roll. Please. Drum roll. <laughs> <I> <laughs> really hey, uh, you that. do the
1: editing, so can you insert a drum roll?
2: I don't know how. Okay. I could maybe figure it out. I know. Let's
1: get fine. on that, right? Okay. And then Alexa Lovell, formerly known as Alexa Overbay,
2: mm-hmm.
1: a.k.a. my daughter, Four years ago. Four years ago. Changed. Yeah. you. Yeah. Sounded like you were saying. (laughs) And that is when I ceased being your daughter.
2: (laughs) That's when I was adopted by someone else. That's
1: right. When you were emancipated. I think that's the word. Maybe. Yeah. It's funny. I now, I think it wasn't long ago that I referred to you still as Alexa Overbay. And I had to remember that you have a different last name. And I love your husband. He's a good guy.
2: He's a good guy. Shout out, Mitch. Shout out.
1: Yeah. And then we have a couple other guests in studio that do, they prefer not to be on mic today. One is... The lovely
2: uh, Wendy Overbay. The lovely Wendy Overbay. And my dog. And your
1: dog, Charlie. Hey, an amazing golden retriever. But we, we've been talking about doing this episode for a little while. And when we were looking up when we did the first episode with you, Wendy, myself, and Mitch... We didn't even realize it was almost a year ago. to, I mean, to the date. Yeah,
2: almost.
1: Yeah, so I think it was released on March 30th of 2022. We're recording this on March 26th. So it'll probably go out on the 28th, 29th of 2022, and it's hard to believe it's 2023. Thank you. Still so writing 2022 on my checks. That's a joke. I don't use checks because I don't. Have you ever written a check? Yeah. Have you really?
2: That's how we had to pay my rent when I lived in Idaho. They wow. only took checks.
1: Oh, and that wasn't that long ago. Yeah. I don't know why, but yeah. Do you remember we were talking earlier? Do you remember a landline?
2: Yes. Well, yeah, I remember we had a wireless home phone, but I don't remember. You don't record? No, no, no. Okay, that was before my time.
1: Do you remember cassettes
2: for a movie for audio? No. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Love this. Okay, I can do this all day. That's not like the
2: VHS cassettes.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, do you remember those
2: for movies? Right? Yeah, yeah. Yes, I remember. Okay,
1: all right. Um, That is not why we're here today. No. Okay. And as a matter of fact, to set the the stage, we were looking at the show notes from the episode a year ago, and I thought that was a good place to start. So let me, let me just read what the show notes were. So a year ago, we did an episode called Alexa's Road to Recovery. Daughter Alexa shares the struggles, dot, dot, dot. I guess that, (laughs) I don't know why the whole, it's not here. It was a very powerful title. Um,
2: Doesn't sound like it. No. Dot, dot, dot.
1: Oh, oh. Okay. Struggles of recovering from a devastating accident. Dot, dot, dot. I know. It says devastating dot, dot, dot. I guess if I make the screen larger, let me do that. Oh, Since you're editing this, this may. Oh, that was it. Oh, nice. Okay. So it was called Alexa's Road to Recovery. My daughter, Alexis, shares the struggles of recovering from a devastating accident. And here's what we wrote. And we were just talking, you and Wendy and myself. And it's pretty crazy to even think of where things are even from when we wrote these show notes. So I said on Saturday, February 5th, my daughter Alexa drove to the gym after completing a week in the externship of her dreams. She was just a few months shy of graduation to become an ultrasound technician. She had committed to a physical health routine months ago and was in the best shape of her life. She was living apart from her husband, Mitch for the first time as he completed his final semester of college upon graduation. Mitch was planning on taking the MCAT in May, They had worked hard and they sacrificed a lot to get to this point in their early lives in hopes that they would both be in a position to help others for the remainder of their lives. First of all, before I keep reading this, I don't think I had my Grammarly subscription yet because this sounds like pretty bad grammar. Yeah. It does. So um, it'll sound better on this one. Okay. And then it continues. And then in an instant, their lives would be altered forever. A large truck ran a red light and T-boned Alex and her Mini Cooper, throwing the car over a hundred feet into a nearby field. Her injuries have been nothing short of devastating. Alex, Mitch, my wife, Wendy, and I discussed the impact of this devastating change on their lives and the effect that tragedy can have on the extended family and how one event can significantly alter the future that someone had worked so hard to make a reality. So here's why the show notes are so interesting to start with, is we could even break down those. Mitch was getting ready to Mm -hmm. take the MCAT. And if we start there alone, what did we do yesterday?
2: Well... (laughs) Mitch flew us in an airplane to Sedona for lunch.
1: Because Mitch did not end up taking the MCAT nope. instead. He is in flight school
2: or yeah. pilot school, whatever you yeah. call it. Aviation.
1: I, and maybe we should have brought him in and asked him, but do you feel or do you know is some of that just, hey, uh, life short. Do let's, let's figure out what we want to do.
2: Well, it ties into my, well, obviously it ties into my accident. That's what we're talking about. But yeah. he just didn't have a super super strong passion for that. Yeah. But he was talking to some of my surgeons and like a lot of the people on my, you know, hospital and recovery team. He got pretty close with my surgeon and they would talk a lot. And he was just saying, if this isn't something that you're dying to do, it's not gonna, you know what I mean? It's not going to be as beneficial as you may think. And Mitch just wasn't dying to do it. And so he started to explore other options and he loves adrenaline and adventure and all those cool things. And And so his friend actually owns a flight school. Shout out, Simplify.
1: (laughs) Yes, right. We will tag them. Mm
2: -hmm. And yeah, so he looked into that, went on the Discovery flight and just fell in love with it. And he has just been killing it. Like he loves it. He has so much fun. He It seems like he's kind of found a passion with that, which is makes me super happy. And obviously, it's a hard line between I kind of don't think this would have happened if I wouldn't have gone in the accident. Right. And it's like obviously I wouldn't want to go through the accident right. again, but I'm so glad it brought him that line of work or passion that he has found. Yeah. So yes, yesterday we just took a family flight <laughs> to Sedona and had lunch. And it was, awesome. and it, it, was it
1: was the coolest thing ever in a little plane. I was uh-huh. all drama beaned up, so I wasn't Yeah, airsick. you
2: were you fell asleep on the way back. I did. In the co pilot so, seat.
1: Yeah, but that's also because that was one of the greatest burgers I think I've ever had in my mm-hmm. entire life.
2: Yeah that place is good
1: it was good but it was it was it was wild to think mm-hmm. that we come out here and then the four of us jump in an airplane that mitch mm-hmm. flies to sedona so we can have lunch and i didn't realize how much that having that conversation with your surgeon had helped mitch It is
2: a big impact i think yeah
1: no that's amazing yeah. um so we go from there to you were what two weeks in the externship of your dreams mm-hmm. and so i feel like i feel like i want to people are probably wondering how, well, how did that go? I'm sure you got back to it after you recovered. You're probably done with that externship now working in a hospital, right?
2: Yeah. Nope.
1: <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I mean, talk about that, that. Journey.
2: Yeah. That whole experience was so weird because yeah, I had just, so I'm in ultrasound school in Phoenix and I, you go through about like 18 months of schooling and then a six month externship was just basically like rotations mm-hmm. as if, if you were in like nursing school or something. So I was assigned a hospital, and I would do my six-month training there. And I had finally gotten one. It had taken a long time because of COVID. So I was finally assigned, and I got out to that and was doing it for a week. And I loved it. I loved my preceptor, and the location was perfect. And then the accident happened. And just that in itself, like trying to figure it out with my school, while I was not really... All there, Yeah. Like, you know, mom was calling them and Mitch was trying to figure it out. And so that got put on hold for a long time. That was in February. And then I didn't start going back to school to even just practice scanning until September. Yeah. Maybe October. I don't I don't even remember. And then they told me that I would need to repeat a class before going back out to externship to make sure. I was familiar with
1: What do you remember about that? I remember, man, I just want to jump in and I want Wendy to talk so much too about, (laughs) but I want your experience of, I know as a dad, I just, every time I think I would say to you, let me get on there and do some podcast (laughs) and make a call out to all hospitals in the Phoenix area and and get Alex on there. And
2: it was frustrating because I had just felt like everything had fallen into place and I had worked so hard to get to this spot and yeah. for it all to be taken away because of something that wasn't my fault yeah. felt very unfair. And, and then to finally be, you know, wanting to make a plan again and then for that to kind of be shut down again and be like, well, we don't have a hospital. You need to retake a class. And meanwhile, all my friends are graduated, Man. getting jobs, starting the life that I thought I would have. It was so hard to watch that happen. So it just felt, I just remember I would, I felt like I would call you guys like every other day and just yeah. be like another thing, like another oh. disappointment. I just felt like I could not catch a break no. and nothing was going to plan because of the accident. And it was so frustrating. Yeah. And anyways, so.
1: It was hard because I mean, I know I would get frustrated and I, even things like your school and. But, I mean, to be fair, they didn't have uh, precedent of this happening. <laughs>
2: right. Like, of yeah. course, you know, they hadn't dealt with this before. and no. They were doing all that they could. And,
1: and there just weren't a lot of locations. Either. No, there's not. Especially
2: yeah. with, like I said, COVID. It's just hard to get everyone placed. So, yeah. So, I I started my class that I had to repeat in January. And my last day was just this last Friday. Mm. So, I finished that class and then I will go out to my hospital mid April. And that will be six months. And then I will finally be graduated, which is so crazy like a year and a half.
1: It really is. How Later. have you been?
2: Can I say something and you can edit? This yeah.
1: Out oh, you're fan. not. We're not editing this out.
2: <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember
3: this, but in the hospital, your surgeon told us that your recovery would be about six to eight weeks. And I think we. Completely misunderstood what he meant by recovery and what
2: we thought
3: he meant by recovery, because I think we told your school it would would only be be back in two to three months. Yeah, and and I remember thinking I can't believe that your body could go through something like this and that you're going to be walking again in six to eight weeks. And I think what your doctor meant by recovery is. You might be able to get out
2: of bed in six, in to, six, eight six to eight weeks,
3: and we thought
2: like, I'll by be six good. to eight weeks, <laughs> yeah. he
3: meant you would be walking and that you would probably be able to go back to school. Yeah, and so I—he was not
1: saying that at all. He was
3: saying, yeah. "I really think he meant like you might be able to get up and put weight right on your left yeah. side or yeah. whatever." Yeah,
2: because in, in six reality, to weeks, six to eight weeks, I was still in um, my wheelchair.
4: Oh, for sure. Or
2: like maybe using my walker a little bit. Like there's no way I would have been back at school.
3: And I think that that made it, I think it made it that much more difficult. Like I wish we would have been more mentally prepared for that. Because I think everything seemed like it took so much longer because in our minds you were going to be up and walking and back to school and all these things in a few months and instead it took...
2: A year a to year. get back. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think like you said, it added, it almost added to my disappointment and my, Thanks. just the reality of it all, because mm-hmm. I had such different expectations because it was always six to eight weeks. Right. Like that's what we were told.
3: And I think we all, I think our, I think we assumed that, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, so you were like going to be walking and going to be, yeah, you know, where the reality of, I think what he meant was you might be able to get up and put weight on your right. leg right in right. six to eight weeks. Which
2: that was true, about accurate. But right. yeah, I remember
1: right. how much weight could you put on though? I remember you could only
2: I couldn't. Like I mean, well the first the first month or so they said do not use your left yeah. leg. Yeah. So I was completely shattered, like in my pelvis, couldn't use my left leg turns out i had a broken elbow this yeah whole talk time. about that
1: and i realize now i'm assuming that everybody but i've had a lot of uh, growth in listeners yeah, over the last year
2: explain. yeah
1: so talk about what happened yeah. Yeah. yeah do you mind
2: yeah i don't want to sound like i'm repeating it all so i apologize but mm-hmm. i because i've done i did our first podcast and then i did a friend's podcast oh, yeah she's a lady Oh, I, yeah
1: we'll put the links to that too because i think that episode that was, was really awesome, good.
2: but yeah. i don't I feel like I'm probably saying a lot of things oh, um, it. repeating it. But yeah. anyways, yeah. So I was T-boned in the intersection right outside of my house in Arizona. And
1: the, dri- I, the driver was going about 60 miles an hour. Uh-huh. And I was
2: pulling into the intersection. So probably going 10. I don't yeah. really know. And he ran a red light. He ran the red light. Yes. I had the green arrow. And this is all from witnesses because I completely blacked out and was not responsive on the scene. And I was taken to the hospital and assessed for my injuries. And I just remember, I think my first memory is that day of just being moved on the stretcher. And essentially my body was being pulled into two because my top half was dislocated from my bottom half. So that I just remember screaming in pain and asking them to stop. And then the next memory after that is just my mom and my husband, Mitch, coming to the hospital the following day. But it turns out once I had been told what happened, it was just like a long list of injuries. I had concussion. They said it was like brain bleeds, right? Concussion, brain bleeds. My neck, I couldn't even move it. Like it was so probably whiplash, I would yeah. assume, because there weren't actually that many. I didn't have anything broken up there, thankfully. And then I had a punctured lung and two broken ribs. Both of my hips were broken. My sacrum was shattered. Like every bone in my pelvis basically had somewhere it was broken. And then all my organs, my kidneys were bruised and bleeding out. My liver was lacerated. My spleen had ruptured and was bleeding out. My entire like strip down the back of my right leg was just completely numb. And then... My elbow was broken, but I didn't find that out until June or July. And it was still broken then because I had just been using it this whole time and not allowing it to have that, you know, the no weight on it. And the whole reason I bring that up is because I was using, I was in a wheelchair and a walker for the first couple months. And so in order to use my walker and only be able to use one leg, I had to use so much upper body strength. And now it's funny looking back because I was using upper body strength, but I had a broken arm yeah, and I was using it. Elbow, yeah. yeah. And so Gosh. it's just weird to think back. And I was always like complaining that it hurt so bad. And it's just, it is interesting now to look back and think, Oh yeah. Cause it was, broken yeah. and, and i was using it and
1: lower half was so in pain honestly it must have it just not feel no i like just it didn't it feel like a hesitant. big deal
2: yeah like i just had so much pain everywhere that that was such a minor thing that i was like whatever wow. like i'll get through that <laughs> and so yeah so i was in the icu trauma for a week and then they moved me to a different hospital to do rehab and as i mean it was a hospital stay but i was also going to pt every day and that was another week long and then I came home and was essentially just living in bed for three or four months until I was able to get around a little bit better. Yeah. And even that I was barely getting around or leaving the house. And
1: you know, it's interesting too. I was looking through some notes cause I was going to read even your mom, Wendy had posted one time about what the doctor had said about that. Yeah. Basically your upper half had been separated from your lower half yeah. and your entire pelvic ring had been shattered and, and I, so I couldn't remember how to spell sacrum. So I was typing that <laughs> into my notes, but then I found I, for, and this is crazy. I forgot. I wrote all these things. We were joking about journals today. Yeah. You've got your journal, but I, I wrote a lot of things about just the things I don't remember about. We'll get to this one maybe later, but when Wendy and, and Mitch looked at the dash cam footage, you know, we've never talked about that. And, uh, yeah. and there's a part where talking about, uh, at rehab, talking to the PT about the bump on the left side of your
4: backside right
1: is your pelvis rotated you know you may have to address that down the road and then i even found a note that i forgot about when we were sending a message out to the people following on social media or gofundme and And it was just talking about how you... Okay, here it is. It says, Alex learned today that she needs surgery ASAP. I forgot this one. Mm -hmm. To address the numbness potentially being caused by one of the bolts in her pelvis. Because you had three 10-inch bolts in Mm -hmm. in your pelvis. And I just said, it goes without saying that we were hoping that there would be no further surgeries needed. But we're optimistic this will address some of the pain she's dealing with on a daily basis. And even in that scenario, what would you remember that?
2: Yeah, that was... I remember that was probably mentally one of the lowest points ever was around that time. I remember. Do
1: you remember time frame?
2: Like what month that yeah,
1: was? Approximately.
2: July. Or and I think it was the last day of June. Okay. I think. Or close to that. But you, yeah,
1: you've been told at that point too, what I thought was interesting was I kept I think we were all thinking, well, you've got all these things that you'll need to deal with later. But you were but I remember when you were almost set they they were saying, okay, you're kind of done with surgeries and yeah. you'll just check in every few months right. or year or right. whatever. And I remember thinking that's crazy.
2: I know it did seem weird just because of how much went wrong. It was surprising to me that it was just that original surgery. And then yeah. they kind of just assumed may you know, maybe there would be more, but we're just going to go with it now. So I had gone to my surgeon, I think I went every six weeks or so uh-huh. to check in with him and get x-rays done. And I had just kept, addressing the numbness down my leg because not only was it numb but it was so painful like I would get shooting pains down my leg and nerve pain and it felt like my leg was on fire or you know just this just the weirdest sensations and my surgeon was so I think just curious mostly like what in the world would this be from was it from the accident was it from the surgery what you know what I mean did we hit a nerve or whatever and so he ordered a CT scan and that is When he went through it with me in the room and he just kind of like got really silent and was like, oh my gosh, this bolt is passing through a foramen in your sacrum that it shouldn't be and essentially Uh blocking your path of nerves right there. So I would assume that's where your numbness is coming from. And he just said, I really think we need to take this bolt out. ASAP, and I think he was moving the fall. Yeah, I remember week. you were
1: saying, and wasn't he retiring or something? He, or? Yeah,
2: well, he was moving to a different practice, like in Texas. So I wouldn't, you know, I mean, he wouldn't, yeah. be dealing with me anymore. So he was like, "Yeah, I think I could get you in on Thursday," and it's like Tuesday. And I was oh. like, "Oh my gosh!" So I just remember him telling me that, and then basically he was like, "Someone will call you today, and we'll schedule it, and it will most likely be in a couple of days." and i just remembered bawling like Uh-oh. i just could not handle another disappointment like another challenge and i remember cuz at that point it had been 5 4 or 5 months mm-hmm. and i i had finally kind of felt like i was on like the upward yeah like i'm getting around a little bit more i was still using a cane but i felt like i had kind of figured out like okay i can take this medication if this is hurting and I can do this, if this is hurting and I'm communicating with my school and you know, and things I, were starting to look good.
3: I had literally just gone home. Like,
2: yeah. Yeah. Actually, oh wow. Cause, yeah. I was, yeah. Cause my mom he was here Arizona, for five right. months. And yeah.
3: I, I literally like went home. I think it was like the week before. out like mm-hmm. the next week. Yeah. That you were going to have to have
1: another Like surgery. I went
3: home for good with like, yeah. no plans to come back like yeah. every week.
1: I know because Jake and I had to start cleaning the house every day. <laughs> yeah. Finally make it acceptable. Right.
3: Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, and then. Yeah. So I feel like if you were at this turning point, okay, I'm going to go home. You're well enough to like take care of your basic needs on your own. And then literally the next week it's like, well, you need another surgery.
2: Right. And it was so quick. And so it was just all unknown that I didn't, I kind of assumed like, oh, this is going to be another invasive procedure. And like, I might be going through this whole recovery again. Like I just assumed kind of the worst, right? Because I was like, they're still going th- into my pelvis to remove a bolt from my bone. There's going to be this gaping hole. It won't be as supported as before. They could mess something up. like and, coming and they, out if it really the nerves was like
1: dealing, Alex, through your nerves or whatever, then Right, that like that's affected, so scary. Yeah.
3: I was so scared. Do you remember too, one, I can't remember which doctor told you this, but one doctor, we asked one time about, well, like when will the bolts be removed? Right. And they were like, oh, Never. And they said, "Trust me, you don't want them removed because it will be so painful." Right? Do you remember that? So then, also, for them
2: to be like, "Oh, yeah, we're going to take it like, out,"
3: the way your bone grows around these, like you do not want to have them removed. Yeah. And so then, when you called and said, "I have to have one of them removed," yeah, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah, like no, because yeah. just because what we had been told about right if that ever happens,
2: right. So, yes, I just remember I just was devastated, and I just felt like everything went to start all over from the beginning. And once again, I was just kind of like, this is just so unfair. Like, what in the world? And I was so upset and scared. I was so scared. And so then I had that procedure done super quick. And it was so weird being more, like, alert and awake for this one. Not awake for the surgery, obviously, but, like...
1: Oh, but not just coming I mean, in and like, out of consciousness, in, yes, in, in a sense.
2: Yes. To actually, I remember the prep for the surgery and, you know, getting the IVs and everything. And first time oh. around, I could not tell you a single thing that happened. And so it, it was just interesting. And and thankfully that the surgery went well. I still have the bolt. They let me keep it, which is fun. And well, I remember
1: we should put a picture on that on social yeah. media because it's in a bag. There's a tiny There's like bit blood of blood in it still, but yeah. it's like a little 10 inch bolt with it's crazy. threads. It's kind
2: of and... heavy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. And that, and I just remember the recovery, it was hard and it was painful. It definitely added more pain to everything at the beginning, but thankfully it did. It did correct a huge, huge issue of pain I was dealing with kind of on the left side of my sacrum, which Which wasn't the reason they took it out. They took it out to fix the numbness. And, you know, funny enough, like the numbness is still present. Oh. But it removed a pain that we had no idea it would remove. Okay. And so it really was, like, I would much rather have that removed than the numbness. Oh, Because of how much worse the pain was than the numbness. Yeah. So that was a huge blessing to have that figured out. But the numbness is still there till this day. And that's, it's just something I'm kind of used to now. I, I just have said, if that's the only thing, yeah. that's the only, I guess that's, that's the wrong thing to say because there's still so many things I feel.
1: I think we were, but, like in the context of acceptance that if you're right. accepting the fact that, Oh, there will be numbness.
2: Right. Then, then it's I'm like, not okay. constantly then like, yeah. ah, why exactly. and when and how
1: can I manage? And yeah. so you're allowed to be more yeah. in the moment with other things. Right.
2: So that was, but yes, I do remember, I just remember mentally just how much that affected me because it really was like, oh my gosh, I have to start over. And I really thought I was, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So that wait, was wait, So
1: when I was reading through the notes, the bump in your mm-hmm. backside, is that just the thought will just be there forever? Yeah.
2: So that's that's just, it's nothing super noticeable. But if you were to really just like stare at my sacrum, it's...
1: I still don't know what the sacrum is. Yeah. <laughs> So, I, I won't oh, be staring yeah. at it anytime okay. soon.
2: Well, that would kind of be weird. Yeah, but for people who don't know,
1: at <laughs> yeah. the
3: base of your spine, okay. it's almost like a triangular shaped bone okay. that your iliacs like attach to, your hip bone. Yeah, your, like, We all know that. The no.
1: Tell us the more, Dr. Oberbee. The iliacs. Is <laughs> you know, ram- that Homer wrote the iliac in the Odyssey? Isn't that
3: yes. What they're called, That's Alex? funny. Yeah. I do Okay. I was like, wait, maybe I'm wrong.
1: Oh, no. I just don't even know. Okay.
3: Yeah. So, they, they connect to the sacrum Uh and that's where for Alex Mm -hmm. and then your sacrum is kind of like the end of your back bone right.
2: structure. So, like, my hips were off of my Completely sacrum. broken off of her sacrum. Which is why I was basically top and half dislocated. And half. Yes. Because my hips were Nothing not attached to my spine leg bones and my sacrum. Back.
1: Okay, I'm so sorry. My ADD is going insane because when you say leg bone, well, the leg bones attached to the, Connected to the, the, the thigh bone. And then when you were talking about your hips, if there's one thing that Shakira has taught us, mm-hmm. the hips don't lie.
2: Mm-hmm. They don't. Okay. But anyways... <laughs> Okay, what were you we saying?
1: But the Stay bump, the bump. bump.
2: So, yeah, in order for them to put me back together in the best way they could with all, everything shattered, my hips are now misaligned a little bit. And so if you if you were to look at them or feel them, you can see you can see that they're not the same shape on both sides. And that in itself was actually really annoying for me because it was just another reminder of what happened which i know it could be worse but it is a, it is a bummer and so because they were misaligned everything was rotated a little bit and then part of my sacrum just the way that it healed because it was shattered it kind of protrudes a little bit
4: mm-hmm.
2: and that itself is painful and that also is something that like my physical therapist was saying it could cause problems in the future because that's kind of the first spot that's touching your bed or touching a chair or things like that so so that bump yeah and it was it was scary because we were kind of like what the heck is this and that broke my heart whenever you heard about that yeah and so that's i mean that's still there and it still irritates me but that's just another thing where it's like okay this is what this is what it is
1: (laughs) and on that on that note too maybe maybe we can do a quick check-in on I think one of the things I heard the most from our first podcast was the, well, at least comment. Yes. Cause it's so funny that I can say that I don't want to be this person, Mm -hmm. but as you're saying that it's so hard to not have me to get rid of my own discomfort to say, man, but at least you're able to walk, but at least you're, and I was grateful that a lot of people had reached out or people, some of the clients that I work with or other people would say, how's Alex? And. And you would start to tell them, and then they would they would say, "But I'm not going to say. Well, at least, at yeah. least she's alive, and at right. least because it's like, well, those are a given, right? Yeah. What's it's that? been It's so like? hard. Okay. I
2: still struggle with that because I find myself doing that to myself and others. Still, if something goes wrong, I find myself doing it to Mitch all the time. Like if he <laughs> if he has a problem, be like, well, at least you know, at least this is happening. And we it's do happening. it as
1: a human being, of course, yeah. and I,
2: I don't think it's like horrible no no. but I do think there's a time and a place and a way to approach it where it's just better to just really listen to what they're saying have the empathy ask them questions be curious about it and and just kind of let them sit with that and sit with them and just be like that does suck like that is really horrible and I just I can't imagine going through that and I almost feel like if you start with that then it's it almost if someone is going to throw in the at least it's like at least start with the <laughs> empathy, right like Give at pause. least get it well, but it but it is it, it totally invalidates it what invalidates. you're going through because you know i would see people all the time and the first thing they would say is at least you're here and at least this happened and this happened. And it's like, Oh, Uh, totally. Like, of course I'm glad to be here first. Right. Because then it just feels like, how are you? Exactly. I felt like everything that I went through didn't matter because at least I'm alive.
1: Yeah. And you've been editing the podcast for a little bit and I'm having a little aha here. Not that again, like you're saying, Mitch is a pilot now Mm -hmm. and talking with the surgeons. And I, I don't, I don't feel like I've ever been on more of a journey of trying to understand a lot of things since your accident. Yeah. And that what we do with our discomfort, I Mm -hmm. realize has come a lot from even having to sit with my own discomfort. Yeah. And so I think that's the the at least you're alive is a way to get rid of somebody's discomfort. Totally. But without – because we're so afraid to sit with it. So I like what you're saying because I think if I'm going to say, hey, how are you? Give me the latest. What's the update? I almost feel like as the person asking, we need to, to acknowledge, okay, and I'm going to be uncomfortable because, right. because I'm not feeling really like I, I know. know yeah, and if I really want to really know and I'm not asking. And if I'm a really good friend or whatever, yeah. because I'm going to have to recognize that this is going to be uncomfortable because I'm going to want to alleviate that discomfort. Mm-hmm. And then I think a lot of the stories we might tell ourselves is, man, I probably should have checked in sooner. Right. Or I probably could have done something more. Or, and so that's where we want to say, yeah, I mean, I wish I could have got a hold of you more, but I was just busy. Or, well, at least I just knew you were alive. And, yeah. And it's okay to be uncomfortable. Right. Yeah.
2: Right. And, I, and yeah, it's just – it is such a weird line because I am so grateful for the people that would check in and try to turn things more positively and spin things positively because, of course, I needed that. I was in mm-hmm. such a dark place. But also when, when that's constantly being said to you of at least this and at least this, it's like, okay, then I guess <laughs> I don't really want to keep talking yeah. because – it, everything just feels invalidated. So, it, but it's hard because I know that, I know that people mean well, and I don't want to sound like I'm bashing right. that, yeah. of course. None
1: of this is to go, look, you guys. Right. It's like, But no, it's like, if
2: I learned fair. anything from this, it is definitely how I approach people going through anything. Just let's really listen. And like you said, be willing to sit with the discomfort of the answer and the situation because it's so important not to make that person feel invalidated. You don't know what... I feels so cliche saying this because it's something people say all the time, but you just do not know what people are going through. Yeah. And I think that is another huge lesson that I've learned. Even if you think you know or you've gone through something similar, like you just, you don't know. And I feel like that's something we just need to accept. And, and I think it's hard because if you were to look at me... And this is, this is amazing that I don't have any obvious yeah. limitations or, you know what I mean? Like you you wouldn't know that that happened to me if you were just to look and I'm so grateful for that. But it also is hard when people then just immediately assume like, Oh, she's fine. Yeah. She is over it. She, you know what I mean? It's, and it's, and yes, I've moved on from certain things, but oh my gosh, I'm still like in, in the thick of it, you know, mentally and physically. There's so many things that still bother me and hurt. And I'll just have comments all the time of like, oh, well, you, you're looking great and you must be doing this and feeling this. And when
1: well, can I tell you, Like when we got here, you have this amazing dog, Charlie, you're in the backyard and we were throwing sticks or playing catch mm-hmm. and you said, watch guys. And you kind of lightly walked quickly ish slash slow jogged Uh a few feet. And that was Oh, and I was about to cry. Honestly I told mom later that night, I was like that I wanted to cry.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's just the little things that no one would really pick up on or notice and it's. I've thought multiple times, if there was some scary situation in a store or something oh, and you people like, were you like, guys run, go on. I'd be like, you know what? I'll just be back here <laughs> trying to speed walk and catch up. Like, I'd be in trouble. Yeah. And you wouldn't know that just no. looking at me. So it's just little things like that where it just it opened my eyes for sure. Maybe I was just very naive to that. But just, oh, my gosh, you just don't. You really, really don't know what people are going through, especially I think people are so good at just hiding you know, oh, how are you doing? Good. Like, that's just so we're so quick to respond with that. And it's like, oh, I'm not good.
1: Well, it's okay. And then Mitch and I were talking at lunch today when we were waiting for a table. And he he was just saying, do you ever just look at other people and you just kind of, you know, you wonder what's going on in their lives or you assume you know what's going on. And then he and I break into the whole, And I've been talking about this on the podcast, observation and judgment. Mm -hmm. And then we both just for fun, we kind of looked around and said, okay, yeah, like, how easy is it to just say, well, that guy looks like this, or that couple looks this way. So I wonder if they're happy or not. Or you know, that kid's only on his device, and his parents aren't talking to each other. And so, so we just make all these observations anyway, yeah. And and throw those judgments in there. So I really like what you're saying about. And plus, we have no idea right. what the physical things they're going through, right? And in my job, the the emotional and mental mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. and you got got them all going on,
2: right? And it's just. And I mean I'm sure so many other people do and we just don't know it. I think it's just important to first of all, never to judge because
1: and not assume.
2: Right. Because I think, yeah, like you said, we're so quick to fill in that gap. We're so curious or we want to make a reason for something. So we just make these observations and judgments. And when in reality, like we're probably wrong oh, most we're Pretty of the much time. all the time wrong. Right. And And so anyways, I think that was just, that's been a really big lesson to me of just, I just try not to let any, you know, anyone, whatever they're saying or doing, I try not to take it personally. And I know that they're going through something and try not to assume when I see someone going through
1: something, because it's just... Well, it goes back to that. We're back to discomfort again, because I feel like we make the observation and judgment to kind of ease our discomfort or anxiety Mm -hmm. or even... I mean, talk about be curious, be right. more curious. Be so if somebody curious. says that I, they they did or said something, and then we say, "Well, why?" or "Are you sure?" Yeah. or "I don't," but I don't think you should do that. I mean, we're still just doing all these things to to manage our own expectations right. and our own emotions, right. and, and that doesn't allow other people to have the space to have their own experiences. Right?
2: Totally. Oh, we just have no idea what people are really, really going through, and I think we just need to give everyone more grace and, and have more curiosity curiosity and back
1: off the assumptions right. to just to alleviate our own discomfort right okay speaking of alleviate discomfort yes can we talk a little bit about pain medications yes because yeah. i i just i there are people that i have worked with there are people i know that get addicted to pain medications yes. and you were on the the heavy stuff yes i understand and i want to know <laughs> why it can yeah, be addicted. do you I because do. i am so i want to hear and first of all were you worried about becoming addicted? Yes, yes I was.
2: I right. was on, I mean, from the get-go, they had me on oxycodone, tramadol, muscle relaxers. I think those were the main ones. But well, I was well, on well, 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 your mom here high dosage. Too. Yeah. But I was told all the time to be careful because of, obviously, yeah. what can happen. And I remember at one point, when my mom was staying with me, we had to go pick up my medication, and I would stay home in bed. My mom was my—I uh, wanted to make up a cool name for someone who goes and gets your drugs.
1: Your your uh, drug mule?
2: My drug mule. Oh, that sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> but she would go
1: get or my the, the medication.
4: Good
2: kind. The good drug mules. Yeah. She would go pick up my medication, and there was just
1: a funny experience that— we have. Funny, I I was not funny. I, I was to say I was in uh, California, and when you guys told me this one, this is uh, talk about again. Look at me. Let me let me let me ease my discomfort by letting you guys know I wanted to go fight some pharmacist. As the guy who's actually yeah, let's never go been back on everything that, life, that we said, right? <laughs> yeah, but what was it? Kate, okay, tell lay out what was that experience? Experience, you guys.
3: Well, I'm not even sure if I remember everything leading up to it. And Alex, you can help me. Like, yeah, from what I remember. We just had a lot of hurdles with your medication, whether it was between your insurance mm-hmm. yeah. or the and working with the pharmacy mm-hmm. and like everything involved. But I feel like we several times we would go to pick up the prescription. You would get the notification yes. that like your doctor's like, hey, it's at the it's at the pharmacy. It's you know, you can go get it. And we would go to get it and they
2: would be like, oh, well, you can't pick that up yet. And usually, yeah. this was when I had like one or two pills left of my old one, and it'd be like, "Oh, we need this," and it was right. so stressful. And because- it wasn't
1: because you were lapsing, but they won't refill those things until right,
2: right, before. because you
3: they yeah. don't want you to take too right. much. Yeah. And you never, we never. You were taking exactly yeah. what your doctor yeah. prescribed. Yes. Oh yeah. Like we I weren't was too scared taking to or or anything. Yeah. yeah, like we were sticking to the exact dosage that your doctor yes. prescribed. And so we would so I just remember on one occasion going in to pick it up and the pharmacy telling me, Well, you can't, it's too soon to pick up this prescription. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Well, her doctor is the one who just notified us that right. it's that ready it to be it. picked up and she only has like two pills left and and he just kind of started oh, the,
1: Do you want to hear the note?
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. We had an experience with a pharmacist when he was interacting with them where they, and I put that in all caps. I must've been yelling, had mixed up when a muscle relaxant and her Oxy could be refilled. And the result was hours on the phone, multiple times being denied on the day she needed it filled. And Wendy spending 30 minutes with the pharmacist telling her that when the medical board hears how much Alex is taking, that her doctor had prescribed her, I'll add that the feds will be there to arrest her or something to that effect.
3: He literally said the DEA will be on your doorstep. If I fill this, this, if you take this prescription, if I fill this prescription, the DEA will be on your doorstep arresting your daughter. And I was like, we are literally trying to fill
2: a prescription that her doctor prescribed. And, and it's like, like he just seemed shocked that I was taking it. And it's like, okay, Have you had this? Do you know how this feels? He
3: said, this prescription is so high. Like, she's taking such a heavy dosage. And he said, trust me, you do not want your daughter addicted to this. And I kind of snapped back and said... I was so upset. I think I was just like in yeah. tears, and I was like, "You have no." It makes me so much. I was like, "You have no idea what my daughter's going through right yeah. now and the pain that she's in." And he's like, "Well, would you rather have her addicted?" And I, and I was I was so upset because I understand what he was saying, yeah. but he had I, he had no idea what had happened to you, right, Alex. Like, he like was,
2: all he saw was what I was all he saw was right? that your yeah. doctor prescribed you
3: this yeah. these painkillers. And Meanwhile, I'm at home in bed, can't move,
2: right. bawling
3: yeah. 24-7. And he, here he is. I just felt so shamed. Yes. Like, I felt like I was a user. Yeah. yeah. Like, trying to manipulate the system. Yes. And
2: we were doing everything and we should have been doing. Yes.
3: And we were following the protocol, like, exactly as it was prescribed. Yeah. And just to have somebody tell you that you're putting your daughter's life in danger, you're—basically made me feel like we were doing something illegal. Yeah. You know, and it was that—that's a hard world to be in. And then we—you have to go. I don't know. Most people who—most people probably know this. I didn't know this, but you have to go to a pain doctor, like oh, right. through a pain clinic. Like your regular, once you're prescribed those, yeah, per- then you types get set up with a pain management. Doctor. It's not like your your, your GP, GP or yeah. whatever. It's not. Yeah, yeah, it's not like they don't continue to manage that for you. Mm-hmm. You get assigned a pain doctor mm-hmm. or through a pain clinic. So then we're going to this pain clinic, which Alex's pain doctor was amazing. Like he was was so nice and so great to work with, but the clinic itself, it's just a different world world. And it's, it's just, it's just such a crazy thing to be thrown into when you're already dealing with, you know, all we cared about was getting Alex better. Right. But then you're kind of thrown into this other world that you're dealing with too, of trying to manage her, You know, manage the medication and the pain and just all that. It was just
2: an. That was a yeah. It's like that, and that's what our days consisted of. Was yes. was my medicine schedule mm-hmm. for months. We had mm-hmm. we both had alarms set so that we wouldn't miss it. Because if we would go past it, I would really start to hurt.
1: Okay, if I read these, I uh, still have the uh, alarms yeah, the
2: set on my so midnight phone. midnight
1: oxy muscle relaxer every day six a.m. oxy muscle relaxer. I mean, you got twelve. I six, have them like still yeah. set. It's
2: like my every phone. four to six hours. Yeah. And but what I what I was gonna say about the addiction yeah. and the even the alarms, I will still hear like if I hear that alarm ringtone for whatever, another alarm, it like seriously kind of takes me back. And I I like miss that because of the euphoria I would get from the oh, drugs. Interesting. Thank like you for that. Oh interesting Like it almost pulls me yeah. back mm. to to usually like at night when I would get them because I would just be laying in bed. I would take them and I would feel like, not like so good. I was still, it, it's not like it completely took it away, but to just get a little bit of relief from the wow. insane pain I was feeling and the euphoria that the oxy would cause, I was like, Oh, I totally get why this oh, I, is I appreciate that. a problem. I, I do. Yeah. And it's, and it was never an issue because I was so terrified of being on them for so long yeah. that I was always working to get off of them and lower my dosage. But, oh, yeah, I get it. Like, no. it it really, I mean, it, it would help and it would, and it's just funny because I, yeah, when I hear a certain alarm, I'm like, oh, that, I kind of like that. <laughs> uh, but, you know.
1: So then did you, did you experience withdrawals?
2: I did, but not horrible. It was just when I was going down dosages, I would have, like, maybe a day or two of night sweats or headaches or it was nothing yeah. horrible. And then, like, finally going off of them. I had worked my way down to such a low dose that when I finally stopped, it was kind of the same thing. Like I would get a night of, you know, night sweats yeah. and and a fever. And then I was fine. Thankfully.
1: Wendy just left out of frame, but I have one more and we don't have to talk about this much at all if you don't want, but there's one part that I just jotted down, just bringing awareness to you and Mitch had watched all the dash cam footage. Mm. And sharing your impressions. And that was something, and I'm not saying that this is anything's better or worse, but I I just I couldn't. And so I wanted to, you know, and you had talked about it. And, and I think we both cried quite a bit hearing about that. And the notes I even jotted down was the interview with the guy who hit Alex was the most infuriating because you're watching him deny it, that he didn't do it. And then when he was told he did it, he was really indifferent. And then somebody just said, hey, I can give you a ride home. And then we found out later that maybe he'll need to do traffic school. But, but and I, I could be completely wrong, but I, I believe I was told later that I think he just left the country. And so, I don't know. How, how did you, do you have any thoughts around the that footage or?
2: This was the police I body cam footage. Right. right. I that, was going to, I was they going to say saw. clarified dash cam. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. It was oh, yeah, body cam. My,
1: yeah. Yeah, body cam.
2: Yeah, it was super hard to watch. <laughs> so we were given this footage we were, yes. after the police had. Yeah. Obviously been there and gave it to us. And so we were just, so we didn't see anything with the
3: accident. We barely see the car in the background because it was way, you know, it was far off. But it was just watching the police walk around and interview the driver of the other car. And it was, it was super difficult to watch and to listen to and to listen to him deny that he did it and then one of the officers just kind of said sir we have five witnesses that watched it happen are you sure you know and then he's like well i I didn't see that it was red you know he and it was just like infuriating because you know i'm watching it at alex's house while she's laying in bed you know recovering and and it was just it brought it. I think it had been like a month or two, It'd probably since the accident. And so to have it all come back, yeah, like that, yeah, that would hard. not uh, recommend. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like and because honestly, you didn't want to listen, or you I didn't, didn't. want to listen to it or watch it. And, I couldn't. And Alex,
2: absolutely, it was just you and Mitch. All.
3: Yeah, Mitch did, and Mitch yeah. told me that it was really hard. Yeah. But there was there was a part of me that almost felt like. I owed it to like the situation or something to, to bear witness of it, you know? And so, so yeah, but it was, yeah, would not recommend.
1: Yeah. Well, I appreciate Honestly. Yeah. yeah. So not that anyone will ever know that they're going to be in that position, but I appreciate you even saying that it's weird. So when you talked about the alarm and then, you know, kind of going, Oh, I I still like the way you said that. There's a thing in psychology called a relational frame where you start to put two things together. Mm-hmm. And just when when Wendy's talking about watching the footage, I, it made me think about the Mini Cooper, and it was a convertible. And do you remember what you said today when we were leaving lunch? It's a beautiful, gorgeous day.
2: Oh, I it, said it'd be a beautiful day to ride in a convertible.
1: Yeah. And immediately did we all think the same thing?
2: Mitch said it. Oh,
1: I mean I thought it too. Yeah. Just
2: what did Mitch say? Well, could have been if you
1: didn't wreck ours.
2: <laughs> oh,
4: and,
1: okay, and honestly that's the stuff where I think it's, it's so funny. funny right? Yeah, oh, it is okay, like it, when <laughs> people when people do make some not? of those Well, okay, we were we were playing Mario Kart last night with Mackie and you said something about like car wreck or something or Mackie said like
2: Oh, a car hit me like that! Oh. Like <laughs> that hurt. I'm like you. What? Oh, like, you <laughs> go with <a> Mario Kart.
1: <laughs> so, and I appreciate when people can laugh like that, yeah, or that's funny. you know, or if, or I, when
2: people say the classic phrase of "Oh, it feels like I got hit by a truck." Oh. I'm like oh no, it doesn't. I no, know it does that. not. We've said that a few times, like
3: not because people just say and, that. Yeah, and you will be like really, yeah, like, to us, like jokingly, yeah. and that's always. Well, and I
1: think back to Mario Kart. I think. One of the times in my life, I think I beat you. Then you're like, does that feel good, Dad? Yeah. You're proud of that? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm sitting here. Yeah. In, with, in my
2: wheelchair. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Take that. That <laughs> Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, okay. I, I mean, I'm curious if you just have some thoughts from your journal. I mean, you brought that. And yeah. I, you journal every day. I wish.
2: <laughs> I've journaled like... Five times throughout <laughs> the last year. I bought this journal. I was like, ah, this might not be big enough. <laughs> I oh. Maybe took a, not even a quarter of it. But no, I was just flipping through this because I had just written down some like random memories because yeah. I didn't want to forget. Let's hear them. And then I also, a few months ago, had kind of just written down everything that I remember, like kind of the hard stuff, yeah. which is hard to read. But I also just wanted to have it. And I, I'll go through some of it. I yeah, don't know, do. not like, What I'll keep or not, but
1: okay. You, not you. She means editing the podcast, not what. Yeah, I might get rid of some of the stuff out of my journal. I
2: might burn these. Right. Yeah. Here. Well, there are. These are a few just random memories, not necessarily sad. I don't remember the first week much.
1: Oh, I think. Can I just before you even yeah. go past that? That's one of the questions I get asked the most. Of what? Of the just okay, boy. You know when it? I first one I'm typically told. When it comes back, she's going to really feel this and this and this. And then that you're like going to remember If it.
2: I get the memory back.
1: Well, it's funny because a lot of people are saying, oh, it's coming back.
2: Yeah, I've heard that a lot. Yeah. Or I've heard that all of a sudden, like, maybe I'll hear an accident and it yeah. will bring back, like, the sounds of mine yeah. or But whatever. you haven't had any I of those. I haven't had any of okay. that. So this one is... This one's pretty vulnerable. Maybe. Okay. I don't know if that's the right word. But I remember this like a couple literally a couple months ago i was talking to mitch and he made some comment of like well i wiped your butt for you so you you know what i mean like oh. some, and i was like no you didn't i was like no you didn't and he's like are you serious he's like my like your mom and i literally had to wipe your butt like when you went yeah. to the bathroom I do not remember you guys having to do that for me. That
1: might be the brain protecting I'm you. So I'm
2: grateful. I that you don't remember. Me too. That, I really Alex. am grateful. Cause that is yeah. that is embarrassing. And we should say
3: that was in the hospital. Like when you were home.
2: Like, yeah,
3: like we never did when you were home. Yeah. <laughs> but when you were in the but hospital Like the first couple
2: days I I I could not lift or move. So you guys would like wait. roll me over, have to go to the bedpan. Like that is and I don't remember that. And which I'm is so good. Glad you
1: yeah. know. And for the record, mom has told me that she'll never wipe mine, even if I break both my arms. I have said that. Yeah. You so would. you feel special. You I don't, don't think, think she I will. I, we will
3: invest in a really nice bidet.
1: <laughs> that he'll click with what?
3: Good point. I'll turn the bidet on. Okay. Oh. I'll turn the bidet
2: on.
1: I'm hey, down. There you go. Okay. okay. There we go. Okay. Compromise. Yeah.
2: So okay, I'll just kind of read yeah. through this. I don't know which, which of it is interesting or not, but just the amount of IVs I had all over my hands and arms, and I hate IVs. I still have like kind of um, faint scars because of how many times I was pricked. I was moved to rehab, a different hospital, and I specifically remember that car ride was so traumatizing because they, they just I'm alone. Like, you and Mitch had to go separately. We
1: were deep in the heart of COVID at that point, too. Yeah, so
2: I was wheeled into the back of a van in a stretcher. They just, like, hook the stretcher up to the wall of the van, shut the door, and just drive. And so I can see on the freeway all the cars, like, behind us. And it was the first time I had been um, alive. Or not alive. (laughs) The first Uh, time I had been.
1: outpost.
2: I mean, like, the first time in a car, other oh, than yeah. the ambulance ride, yeah. you know? And so that was so hard because it was seriously, like, PTSD. Like, oh, my gosh, oh, oh my gosh, oh my I gosh. see, I and see. And I was alone in the back of a car. Okay.
4: With
3: a strange guy driving. Yes. That you don't even
2: yes. know. Yes. Yeah. So I just remember that being terrifying. I remember... Can I also say yes. that
3: that guy must have been driving so fast because Mitch and I, we left at the same time mm-hmm. and that guy, when we got to the rehab center, they already had you almost into your room.
2: By the time so, you got there. Yeah. yeah it so was, well. it was fast.
3: And, then, and Alex was upset when we got there and I remember her saying like how traumatizing it was. And I thought, well, I didn't help that that guy was quiet <laughs> yeah. because Mitch isn't <laughs> a slow a driver. Oh yeah. and is basically a race car driver. We got there <laughs> wow. well after her yeah. driver got there. But anyway,
2: yeah, beside the point. So yeah, just other small memories. I I probably only ate at the most like four or five hundred calories a day, if that. I remember my meals consisting of a bite or two of oatmeal in the morning, maybe a couple drinks of those Ensure shakes to help you at protein. I don't know, and then that and soup maybe a Couple bites of soup, and that was like for two weeks straight. I, I, and even at home for the next couple months, I did not have an appetite, and so that was weird. And then, well, and you lost a lot so much
1: weight. weight. And and, and I don't know if this is comfortable for you or not, but you were in, honest to goodness, as I read in the intro, you were in phenomenal shape like, best shape of your life when that happened.
2: Yeah, that just added to the disappointment of it all. (laughs) And I was going to the gym when the accident Uh, happened, so that's right on your way to the gym. Oh, yeah, so that's. So maybe maybe I should never
1: go to the gym again. Oh, no. that's the lesson.
2: There. <laughs>
1: yeah. Did we talk in the first one about the the poo poo cocktail?
3: Oh, I don't know. I forgot about that. No, I
1: drank it with you. Oh
3: gosh, that was so. Yeah. Bad. So that was thank goodness that nurse was. Really honestly, she was the best. I
2: had some. I had some 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 subpar <laughs> nurses and some amazing <laughs> nurses and and one I was so when you're when you're taking yeah. opioids you get very very backed up along with my whole pelvis being screwed up. Like I just, I couldn't go to the bathroom and I I really, it was awful because on top of all the other pain I had to also not be able to relieve myself, it was very uncomfortable. And there was a nurse that came in one time and just said, I'm going to make you this drink. I don't think she called it the poo poo cocktail. I think you made
1: (laughs) that name right. I think so.
2: And it, okay. So it was,
1: Prune juice. Prune juice. Muralax, I think. Muralax. A butter. butter and sugar. Yeah.
2: And, and then you would heat it all you up. You would warm it up so the butter would melt into the prune juice. And then it was like gritty from the sugar and the Muralax. Oh, she would put ice in it. And, and so the, the butter
3: would... That, oh, yeah. she said it... Most people said it goes down better cold. Yes. But then the butter
2: would like... It just does not go down good. onto whatever. the ice. Right. And, oh, yeah. It was... It was honestly, a, it was disgusting. Yeah. But... but it helped me a few times and then also helped you.
1: Well, I did it just to support you. I remember you, it was when you moved out of the hospital and you were going to take it. And I said, Al, I'll, I'll take it with you. And I pooped 10 times in the next three days.
2: <laughs> disgusting. Seriously. It
1: was crazy. That's seriously,
2: disgusting.
4: Oh,
1: no, thank you. But so, that, that was support, though. Yeah. Literally 10 times. I'm not, I wasn't like 10 times, 10 times. In three you kept days. track in three days. That's I did not keep track. That different for you. Okay.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: anyway, <laughs> so yes, had to drink that, which was fun. I had to practice just the funniest things you don't think of, like so. My OT would come in and
1: occupational therapist,
2: occupational therapist, and would teach me how to put on my socks because I couldn't move my legs. They would teach me how to lift my body, my upper body out of bed. Like I would have to turn without hurting my broken ribs, prop myself up with my broken elbow, <laughs> move my like move my body. Oh, I broke my back too, so I had a broken lower Gosh, back. Yeah. And then basically find a way to just get my upper body up and then either my mom or the nurse would pick up my legs and swing them over the bed and then I would use my walker to get up, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then I would have to Scoot my way to the bathroom, which took like 10 minutes just to get from my bed to the bathroom. And then it's like I needed help sitting on the toilet, needed help wiping. And this was, by the way, after I graduated from the bedpan and the commode. Like this was a big deal that I could even go to a bathroom instead of peeing in my bed in a bedpan, you know. So it's just the it was just the weird things that you don't think about. Like they were teaching me. The best way is to brush your teeth while leaning on your walker. And the best way to put your hair in a ponytail when you can't lift your arms above your... You know what I mean? Like Just like the weird things like that. And I had to practice getting into a bathtub that they had there. Not even to take a bath, but just to say, okay, when you get home, this is how you're going to set up your shower bench. This is how you're going to get into your bath. This is how you're going to, you know... Wash your body and avoid the scars and not, you know what I mean. Just all
3: the things we had to like buy and order. Oh my gosh! So we had to have the much house stuff. Ready for yes. you they wouldn't let you come home. Right. So
2: all we the had things every we had tool,
1: every. Do you still have that sweet padded toilet seat, or did you take that? No,
2: on? we've I've graduated from that. I could, I should probably still use it. it was, Sitting still hurts a that little was, bit. That was nice. That was nice. That was nice. Okay. But yeah, so little things like like, you know, putting. my socks on and and getting dressed and and even that I really couldn't like they they would help me try to do that but I just like my mom would help me or Mitch would help me because I just I literally could not even put my socks on and looking back at that it's so weird
3: that was I don't know why that was a super I remember that vividly yes and I remember having to like walk around the corner because I just I just kind yeah. yeah. Because watching you have to use like a um a little tool. The little tool to put your sock on. Yeah, and I it's just like, remember oh my thinking gosh. and the OT like bless their hearts. They won't they won't help you. Like Yeah, because they want you to really they want understand. you to do it. So they will sit there. If it takes you 10 minutes to put your sock on. They'll sit there. They will sit there for 10 minutes. Yeah.
1: And again, saying it that, because that's their job. That's their job. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I know. Uh, right. Those doggone OTs.
3: <laughs> no, that's what I mean. Like, bless yeah. their hearts. I they're agree. so patient. But I'm sitting there and I just remember thinking, I'm just going to put her sock on. Right. Like, like come on. She, yeah. th- I don't yeah. want her to sit there and struggle. She's struggling enough to, like, yeah. live. Yeah. Like, I don't want to sit there and watch her struggle for 10 minutes to put her sock on. Yeah. I will put her sock on. Right. And I know that's... I know they're teaching her, yeah. and that, but right. it was. I just had to walk out of the room because I was like, "This is like, yeah, this is torture.
2: Yeah. Like she can't put yeah. her it's socks like there's life on, lessons there. We'll have to know. describe
1: or just explore yeah. someday, right? Because yeah. I'm with you. You just can you just
2: right? Like, can see we just,
1: what she's going through? Yeah,
2: yeah. But then at the same time, I understand that that's that's their job, and Absolutely. I mean, you know what I mean? It, yeah. it, it is helpful yeah. and and other things. Just like you know, one of my one of my PT lessons or not lessons, but my. Hour of PT for the day was okay. We're gonna wheel you downstairs, and you're gonna practice getting in your car, yeah. getting in and out of your car. They and had to that teach was us how. So hard for me to get into a car, a low car. That was so
3: yeah. hard. But you know, bless them too for doing that because
2: mm-hmm. I'm
3: so grateful. Like, obviously, they've done this before; they know what they're doing. Yeah, but they sent us home with so much knowledge. yes like, had we not done that, oh, we would have been in Mitch and I would have had no idea yeah. how to. I would have been like. How are we, how in the world do we get her in the car, you know? And they have
2: all these little tips and
3: tricks and, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. and then just other things I have. Sneezing and coughing Mm. were insanely painful because my ribs and my pelvis and everything. I, oh, I have finally took a shower by myself. Took four months until I was able to shower by myself. So I remember the first shower was week two in rehab and the OT came in and it was time for my first shower. And I remember that was so hard because I'm just naked in front of five people who uh-huh. are trying to help me shower. I'm, I'm just, you know, it's like at a, such a low place. You're so uncomfortable. I'm in so much pain. And it's like, I'm just trying to shower. Like I can't even shower, you know what I mean? Without five people helping me. And so that, I remember that was difficult. And then coming home for, yeah, the first four months or whatever, like my mom would, or Mitch would help me take my clothes off, get into the shower, sit on the bench. My mom would have to wash my hair because I couldn't keep my hands above my head for too long. And it was just, it was just too much. physically. shaving your legs. Shaving my legs. Like it was just, it was a, it was a huge task, and so that was a big moment to finally do that by myself. And the warm water would hurt like my broken bones, oh my and gosh, just, just weird, forgot. yeah, weird. Couldn't stuff. Hit your back, yeah, because my that? sacrum would. Just... But you had to sit with your back to exactly. the shower. Oh yeah, gosh, just yeah. weird yeah. things. And then, let's see, Mitch had to give me a shot in my stomach oh, every morning for the first month or so, blood clots or mm-hmm, something to help right? with prevent blood clots and. I hate needles. Oh. So that was just torture. I'm like, here I'm like, there we Mitch. go. Mitch because is so I, good.
3: I was like, I don't yeah. think I can do this. And Mitch
2: was like, I got it.
3: No yeah. problem. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah.
2: We watched a lot of March Madness, Shark Tank. Shark Tank. <laughs> yeah,
1: I still, I think about that. I, it's my go-to.
2: Yep. That's a good one still. Let's see. Oh, I just remember all of the, just the stares I would get when I was out in public with my cane. Oh. That was just another lesson. I'm like, I hope I never do that. I hope I never... Yeah make it obvious or you know what I mean it's like they're already going through something if they're mm-hmm. if they're using any of that and it's like just I just remember people there were a few people that would not even break eye contact with me and just look me up and down whisper right in front I mean it's I was like oh, say, okay
3: I remember hearing people pass by and you would hear because to be well, fair and I get it. you're young I get it yes you know that you're walking with the cane or even when you were in your wheelchair yeah I remember people would pass by and be like oh did you see that girl? Yeah. What do you think happened? I yeah. wonder what happened to her. And it's her. like, I I get, wrong with get the
2: curiosity, but like, maybe wait a minute. <laughs> because yeah, I, I
3: think that. it was just crushing just for you hurt, to be yeah, like, oh hard. my gosh. Yeah. yeah. yeah
2: like, like, I'm man, a human to to being. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, yeah. And then, yeah. And then I don't know if you remember this, but apparently during my, f- this, I don't remember this either, by the way, Mitch told me this, but after my first surgery, my eye was slightly open. So my eye got, a oh, laser I ring. do remember gosh, that because yes, we they, we were awful. yeah like
1: we were worried about
2: my l- sight or something. Yeah. Like I got a cut in my oh eye my because gosh, it was open I for too about long, that. and yeah. you would have to rub like a lubricant ha- on my eyeball for days. Oh, yeah. So that was just another I annoying thing. Yeah, that. I thought that was. And I just, I do I remember feeling so bad because you had so much
3: going on. I know. I was like, of course. And you I were can't like, see. my eye, like my I eye. Okay,
2: and then this is the more, I keep wanting to say vulnerable. I don't know if that's the right word, but I just kind of wrote this.
1: Your handwriting in your journal is impeccable. Oh. It's crazy.
2: These are tear.
1: Oh spells. my gosh, they really are
2: <laughs> tears. <laughs> <I laughs> wow. It, oh. it was really sad. I feel like I was maybe trying to be, like, too poetic when I wrote this, but I'm just going to read it anyways. Okay. okay, hold on. Let me see where this is. This was in August, so I said it's been six months since my accident. I've had a lot on my mind. I f- Oh, the reason I wrote this down was because I felt myself downplaying everything that happened, and I don't know why I do that, but as time went on, I'd be like, oh, it, like, it was just a little car accident, or it was, you know what I mean? Because when you're, when you're kind of through the thick of it, I would just kind of dismiss what actually happened. And I wanted to write down a lot of the hard parts. Yeah. Not because I wanted to relive those yeah. and remember those, but I also do want it's part to of,
1: part of what your journey. Right. Meant. And I
2: want to like justify what I went through so I can remember that. So I can almost be like, okay, this was this was challenging and look how far I've come. For yeah. myself mostly, but just, yeah. just so I can remember that instead of downplaying it, because then it almost makes it just kind of takes away everything that I learned and went through when yeah. I, when I'm constantly like, yeah, I like to say, yeah,
1: don't invalidate yourself. We, right. we, think we do that. So right. often just as people.
2: Right. So, okay. I said, waking up in a hospital bed as nurses were basically pulling my top half from my bottom half while trying to move me all while not knowing what happened to me was horrible. Getting in a horrible accident after finally being placed in the perfect externship was unfair. Didn't think I would cry. <laughs> no, this me episode too. <laughs> oh. Okay. Only being able to have two visitors per day from 10 to 6, and then being and then being left alone to worry and be with my pain and solitude was extremely lonely. Being forced out of my hospital bed after surgery to stand up with physical therapists was excruciating. Getting a shot in my stomach every day for over a month was painful. Needing help to go to the bathroom and wipe was extremely embarrassing. Not having an appetite and losing 15 pounds in two weeks was disheartening. Having a tube coming out of my lung and through my ribs was disturbing. Seeing my body covered with blood, cuts, scrapes, bruises, and IV lines was scary. My first time in a car after that accident to get transported from trauma to a rehab hospital was terrifying. Only sleeping two hours a night because of discomfort and then being woken up at 7am for three hours of PT was challenging. Using my walker with a broken elbow and only one good leg was draining. Seeing my non-existent strength in my core and legs during the simple PT exercises was alarming. Using a wheelchair because one short hallway was too much for my body was upsetting spending Valentine's day in the hospital without without my husband was not fun being woken up every two to four hours at night for my meds was frustrating having nurses help me out of bed to use the commode and watching them take the bucket out to clean it afterwards was humiliating <laughs> having my first shower sorry guys having my first shower as I sat naked on a bench in front of three other people while they cleaned me it was awkward. Knowing that if I wanted to use the bathroom, I would need help lifting my legs off the bed as well as needing five minutes to get there with my walker and needing help to lower myself on the toilet was infuriating. Being discharged and getting in a car to come home was scary. Feeling trapped in my own room because I was too weak to do anything else was frustrating. Having my pain and feelings dismissed by those around me was heartbreaking. Watching my friends all graduate when I should have was torture. Feeling like I was a a burden feeling like I was a burden on my mom and Mitch was upsetting needing help getting in or out of my own bed was difficult having 24 7 pain for the first four months is something I would never wish upon anyone needing help washing my hair and body putting lotion on and brushing my hair was hard lying awake all night without sleep was lonely feeling so angry at what happened to me was consuming and challenging Going to multiple physical therapy and doctor appointments weekly was tiring. Having swollen areas of my body and losing my curves was disheartening and made it feel like I was not beautiful. Not feeling grateful that I was alive and that things weren't worse made me feel guilty. I could go on and on, but overall it has been overwhelming, overwhelmingly challenging and lonely. And can still feel that way. Things are getting so much better, but I don't want to forget the things that I experienced because I'm so proud of myself. It has been so hard, but I'm coming out of it stronger and wiser than before. And for that, I'm grateful. Man. Man, <laughs> that's hard. <laughs>
1: oh. I don't know. It shows you how it was just close to the surface. Oh, okay.
2: It's just... All the emotions can yeah, still be. Right. And it's, it's hard because I feel like a lot of that stuff is just things that, unless you were right there with me, you just wouldn't know yeah. that I was feeling or going through. And I don't even know. I don't even know why I'm sharing that. But oh, I, think just, I think it's just eye-opening and kind of goes back to the message of you just don't know what people are going through and what they still are feeling or experiencing. And I think that was just such a great lesson for me.
3: Do you know, it's so heartbreaking to hear you read that because, like, I was here.
2: Yeah, you were so positive
3: all the time Yeah, and it just breaks my heart to hear some of the way that you describe things and it's almost like eye opening right now to me to be like I didn't like I knew it was hard right. Right? right but like to hear you describe it that way it's just like it just breaks my heart that for everything that you went through yeah, and, and continue to go through you know because of that because you never you really you didn't complain you didn't you know yeah I knew I knew you were down but that was to be expected right Right. but you didn't complain that's the first time I've heard you express a lot of yeah those feelings and I think that that is probably very I just think of other people who have gone through similar things have probably felt that way yeah and on the outside being on the outside you just we don't know that you don't know that you know others don't know yeah you know what you're going through and even to be here and to be with you 24 hours a day I didn't know a lot of that yeah you know interesting
1: okay Alex, first of all, I think it's important to note that we don't know what will sound like if you hear mauling in the background or <laughs> licking or Alex's amazing one year old golden retriever. Charlie is here providing comic relief, but also woke up from her nap while you were. Yep relaying those heartfelt notes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> she's really <making> it positive. <laughs> That's right. You're
1: licking my she's shoe. licking your shoe right now, which is really nice. I think another question, and, and then maybe we can wrap yeah. things up, but I, I, one of the things I get asked often too is, you know, what, what's this? Will you be able to have kids? As I ask it even, it's even been said of, can you believe that somebody is worried about her having kids versus the, maybe it's the people that are saying, hey, at least she's alive. And what, what, what are your... What are your thoughts on all that? And what do you know? And is it anybody's business?
2: Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, you see what I'm saying? I, I totally get it. I get the curiosity. and And that's, you assume that when someone's, well, I would assume that if someone had extensive pelvic injuries, that that could definitely be affected. So I completely understand the curiosity from that. And it's still, it's still unknown exactly on how, like birth and giving birth will be. But as far as what I've been told is that I should be able to have kids. It's just how I will deliver them is the question because there's a bolt going through very close to my pubic symphysis, which there, there's just a lot of unknown, I guess, of how my pelvis will move when I need to give birth. So it's pretty potential that there would be a C-section or mm. or things like that. And I, I also don't know... If that will just be more painful since I have, yeah, you know issues back there, it's like if if just my body moving and changing with the baby, like I'm sure that that could cause a lot of issues, so they've they've definitely made note to have me see a specialist when I'm considering that just to make sure we yeah look at everything but but no, I totally I get the curiosity and and thankfully, I don't mind talking about that because thankfully it is not anything that we're super concerned about right now. As in it's not like a, you know, it's not like a scary answer because it should be possible somehow, which is good.
1: As we kind of wrap things up and I think you've covered everything, but if people have questions, I I would love for them to send them to us and we can, we can get on and do another one in a little while too. I think that. that right.
2: I yeah. yeah I just also want to take the time to just thank all the people who have just done literally anything whether it's <laughs> prayers or good vibes or keeping their curiosity and asking my parents about me or checking in on social media sending me a message and especially when we had our goFundMe up just the just the donations we got were yeah. just truly mind blowing. And I just cannot, I seriously cannot express my gratitude enough for everyone that contributed to that. And I think I just, I really, I feel like I need to apologize for not expressing that gratitude Uh. sooner. I really, it just, that was, that is just such a, such a difficult thing to ask for someone to, to help in that way. And at the time, it really just felt like survival mode to get through those months. And it was so, it was just such a weird feeling. I remember after putting the GoFundMe up, I was bawling for hours after because it felt so wrong and vulnerable to be asking people for that sort of help. And it just seriously means the world. Like for the people who shared it and donated, and I just, I cannot thank everyone enough and express how truly helpful that has been for Mitch and I and our family and just has really helped us get through this time and the support seriously was just, it was insane. And I just, will I just, I wish there was a way I could express that gratitude better, but I'm just so grateful. And I felt like I definitely should address that on this just because of how many, how many, just wonderful supporters and followers there have been throughout this whole thing.
1: It was phenomenal. And it did just, it it was really uh, touching because when you got deeper into that world of GoFundMe and you would see people that would have a lot of things that they were dealing with and there wouldn't necessarily be the support. And then I would find myself feeling bad for those people. Right. And so, and to know that even the people that were getting some support like yourself felt bad about that. And it's, it just shows it's you what a tough hard, spot yeah. it's in. But uh, yeah, how grateful though we all were for the people that just any anything and it yeah, wasn't anything. even just financially, yeah. it was like spreading the word or the, yeah. like you say, the prayers or any of that was, yeah. was amazing.
2: It really was. And I'm just super grateful. And yeah, I'm just, it's just, it is really crazy to think that that was a year, over a year ago and just to see how far I've come and just how changed I am because of it, both physically and and mentally and just how it's just it's such a new world of dealing with you know chronic pain and the mental struggles from it and it's opened my eyes to just so many things like what other people are going through and and it still is hard for me to even talk about it because I I default to the fact that I know people out there have it worse and so it feels weird to dive into my story when I know it can be worse. But I obviously am grateful for everything it's taught me as difficult as it has been and still is. Yeah. But I do think there have just been so many valuable lessons and, and things to learn from it. So grateful to be here
1: grateful that you are willing to share and that mm-hmm. we have a platform to kind of mm-hmm. get the message out because i know that again we never wish that any of this would have happened right. but i know personally i know from people that, are, that i work with in my office from the messages that we receive that there have been a lot of things that people have been able to self-reflect and make some change in their lives so yeah yeah i'm grateful that uh, you're willing to be this open and thank you to our off the mic guest wendy for all mm-hmm. that you've done this counts as you being on the podcast again.
4: You <laughs> Second time? It. Uh, Third more? I think she's been
1: three, maybe. You were in the background. No, you were in COVID Kids. Oh, and then the first one of these episodes. So three. Three times that I've had you on here. Nice. One of these times, it's going to be one-on-one, an in-depth interview. Okay. Alex, thanks a lot.
2: Thank you.
1: We'll see you next time. Okay. On the next cast. Okay.
2: Compressed
4: emotions flying past. Start out the other end. The pressures of the daily grind It's wonderful Elastic waste and rubber ghost I'm floating past the midnight hour They push aside the things that matter